Bidzy Small Business Society number 128. You're listening to Bidzy Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Welcome everyone to this episode of Bidzy's Small Business Society. Today I am talking to Michael Levin. Michael is the CEO of Business Ghost, where he has personally written, co-written, or ghostwritten over 100 books, 11 of which are national bestsellers. Business Ghost's unique process of interviewing, writing, production, publishing, and distribution allows people to become published authors in only a few months. Welcome, Michael. Glad we could connect today. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about some of the projects you're working on today? Oh, sure, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show and uh, very excited to speak to your audience of entrepreneurs. Um, I'm a writer guy. I love books and I love writing. And I was a lawyer and I hated it and they hated having me in their law firms. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, I went to Columbia Law School. It's one of the top law schools in the United States. And uh, and the experience I had was that uh, I worked for two firms in Boston and within two years, uh, both of them had fired me, and I was utterly unemployable. Uh, so, you know, I sold a bunch of books uh, to Simon and Schuster, a bunch of novels, uh, ran out of money, and uh, was dead broke. Had thirty-five thousand dollars in debt and no way to pay it back. Uh, I met a guy who has become a mentor figure to me, and has been and remained in that capacity. He's like a second father for twenty-two years. He sat me down in a Dunkin' Donuts. Sorry for the long answer, but he sat me down in a Dunkin' Donuts and he said. I work with a lot of you creative people. You don't know how to do your best work if you cannot put bread on the table or pay your rent. And he took out a single sheet of paper and he showed me how to start a business. And, uh, and that business was initially offering writing classes. It evolved into uh, writing, uh, into consulting with writers. When my, client, when my students said, can you consult with me? And then, uh, it, they, then they would just start saying, just write the book for me. So about 12 years ago, it kind of morphed again into Business Ghost, which is this ghostwriting shop I have now, and uh, that's the story. Absolutely, and Michael, feel free to get into as much or as little detail as you want here. We're looking to extract that value for the Small Business Society. So you've had some success. You've created that significance, Michael, that authority that comes with authorship. But I'm sure it wasn't always that way. So 
Take us back to your biggest challenge in business or otherwise, but what sticks out in your mind as the biggest challenge that you faced? And here, our listeners are typically looking for some actionable steps that you took to really embrace and overcome that challenge. Yeah, you know, for me, the biggest challenge, seriously, is getting out of, the, out of bed in the morning and, and uh, not being in total panic. You know, I mean, the business, thank you, God, is very successful today. It's 22 years old. I like to say I'm too dumb to fail. But the thing is that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, uh, you, you know, you, you only uh, eat what you kill. And so there's always this, this sense of, okay, I had a great week last week, but, you know, uh, am I going to die this week? Just pushing and that it's rock just, up that hill all over again, right? Yeah, and, and it's just stupid because after a while, the rock, you know, you've got other people, you're paying them to push the rock, and they're pushing it faster and better than you ever could. So, you know, then you go, oh, my God, I'm paying all this money in salary. But the thing is that, you know, so the, I mean, the, big, the biggest challenge I face is entirely internal, and that's just dealing with my own fear, my own sense of my shortcomings as a business owner, as a human being, and... Uh, and it's, you know, I, 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 I wake up in a state of, uh, you know, not, I, I don't leap out of bed greeting the new day, you know, with, uh, with roses in my teeth. I wake, I and mean, that's kind of weird. I, I, I wake up in a, you know, I, I wake up in a panic and I go, oh my, you know, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? But it's a little like football, you know, when they, the football players say that, you know, they're nervous until they get in that first hit. It's sort of, you know, and then they're like, oh yeah, I'm a football player. It's all good. You know, it's like once I get to the email and start responding and going through stuff, and it's just like, hey, I can do this. So, you know, the main thing is not paying attention, too much attention to the fear and, uh, and just, you know, just, just, just getting through your list, you know. I mean, I could, you know, I could tell you stories about how I had to reorganize the business this year and this and that, and that was a big challenge. But, but on a day-to-day thing, it's really the biggest challenge is, is maintaining a positive mindset. And I don't, I'm not one of these people who... I'm a high anxiety person. I don't wake up bursting with excitement, uh, and uh, I, I'm bursting with terror. So I've got to I've got to manage that and get over it. And every single morning I do. Uh, you know, I, I haven't had a day where I'm I'm too frozen and I can't get my work done. Uh, I'm efficient. Uh, I'm not watching Leave It to Beaver and My Three Sons at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting my work done. Uh, so you know, I'm disciplined. But the main thing is mindset. For me, the main thing is overcoming that sense of I'm not good enough. This isn't good enough. I should be doing something else. Everybody else is ahead of me. You know, call me a wambulance. Wah, 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 that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's all about aligning those moving pieces. So you've talked about some of those personal challenges. We appreciate that. But can you talk about some of the challenges of printed media in the current publishing landscape? Sure. Well, I mean, the biggest challenge is that people stopped reading or buying books. And I mean, my book first, my first book, my first book with Simon and Schuster came out in 1986. Okay. I've been around, I've been doing this a long time and I'm, I'm 58 now. I was whatever, 30, I was 30, 28, 29. I don't know about, yeah. So, so it's 30, yeah, it's 30 years ago. So when it came out, I drove from Boston to New York on back roads on, on route one, which is sort of the highway that's not the interstate. And every time I got to a new town, there'd be a new bookstore, another bookstore, you know, privately owned in a little strip mall. And I'd go in, I'd introduce myself, I'd sign the copies of the book that were there and move to the next town. Now, today, you can do that same drive and never see one bookstore. They're all gone. There's still Barnes & Noble, but Barnes & Noble is shrinking at the rate of 10%. They're shutting 10% of their stores a year. Uh, All the other chains in the United States are gone. And you've got a book buying public that is virtually non-existent today. So 
and then you've got a New York publishing industry that, and, and, and I'm going to tie this to, to entrepreneurship in a second, but you've got a New York publishing industry that thinks it's the 70s and that this is just one more little obstacle to climb and, and then everything will be okay again. But the reality is that people's brains have been changed by technology. Their attention spans have, our attention spans have shriveled because of texting and, and social media and, uh, and the internet. And people don't have the patience for books. So the good news is that whenever there's change, there's opportunity. And we don't do what traditional publishers do. Traditional publishers uh, are in the business of selling books for money. We're in the business of selling services to people who need a book so that they can increase the success they're having in their field. I mean, just before, you know, just before this call with you, um, I got off the phone with a prospect who found me online, thank you God, because I spent a lot of time working on our SEO. And, uh, and, and he's got a clothing business. He started it a year ago, and he's got a nice website. It looks like he's got a fully formed company, but the reality is it's brand new. And he needs a book to get him the credibility uh, that's going to take him and his business to the next level. So we talked. I'll send him a proposal. We'll go from there. I'm hoping for the best. But the thing is that he's not looking to sell one copy of that book. He's going to give it away to investors, to Nordstroms, to uh, clothing stores, and so he that he can so he can tell his story in the most professional way possible. Now, the traditional model is this guy could never get a deal with New York. Because he's not going to, he's not going to, who's going to buy a book about the, you know, men's clothing store? But, you know, we're not, we're not doing what the traditional publishers do. We're not looking to sell books. We're looking to sell services and to create a book. And that way we, that way we help our clients grow. So, you know, so as an entrepreneur, you sit there and you say, what's everybody doing that makes it look like they're still in the 1970s and the 1980s? What's the real need today? How can I fill that real need? And it's often not what you think. I mean, I never imagined I'd be doing this, but I am. So does that help? Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does, Michael. So can you take us through that process? Like, how does somebody take their idea and create this credibility with, you know, uh, a finished product in their hand? Sure. Our process is different from most ghostwriters. Most ghostwriters will interview you for a week or two weeks and now they've got, you know, 80 hours of tape and they'll get it transcribed and they'll try to find the book in, the, in, you know, in all that mess and then come back to you eight months later. But neither you nor the ghostwriter really has any real recollection of what you were talking about then. It was just sort of idle conversations. We don't think that's strategic. What we do is we start off and the client and I will get together. This is where I'm, you know, I sort of add the most value in the process. And we will talk through in 90 minutes what is the specific niche audience or what are the specific niche audiences you're trying to reach? Because there is no more mass market. Today, there's just, you know, I mean, in America, it's the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event. Two-thirds of the country doesn't watch it. Five-sixths of the country doesn't watch the Oscars. So if these big-ticket uh, national events are actually kind of niche themselves, it just shows you there's no, there's no mass market. We're not writing mass, a mass market book. We're writing a book to influence a specific audience. So the first thing I want to know is, whom are we writing to? Who is the audience for this book? And then, what next step do you want these people to take as a result of either reading the book, seeing you on TV, talking about the book, hearing about the book online, whatever? Like for the clothing guy, um, he, you know, his audience is, is investors and, and stores. 
So he wants investors to, to invest in his company. That's the next step. And he wants uh, Nordstrom's to uh, take on his line of clothing and Macy's and so on. And so now the question becomes, and we do all this in 90 minutes, what body of knowledge is in your head that if people in those specific audiences knew you knew it, they would take those next steps with you? Okay. What body of knowledge do you possess that's in your, there's a knowledge gap. You know all this stuff. Those people out there you're trying to influence, they don't know you know it. They don't know you know all that stuff. But if they did, they would be yours and they would take whatever next step you wanted. So when you have that information in hand, what's the specific audience? What next step do you want them to take? What body of knowledge in your head would convince them to take that next step with you? From there, we are able to create a table of contents for the book. And I hand that over to the client you know, by email over the course of that call. And they're always blown away. It's like, how can you do that so fast? You know, I mean, you do something 700 times. Uh, Michael Gerber, who created the EMIS, says, I've, I've created more successful books than anyone in human history. And, you know, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll take that. And then when we're done with that, we'll then turn you over to a writer and, and interview a writer. And we'll do an hour per chapter. Or if they're short chapters, we'll do two short chapter interviews in one hour. Uh, and you just do a file dump on us uh, about the, the topic of your book. Uh, or if for that one chapter, again, we don't do broad general audio, uh, broad general interviews. We just focus on the next piece of the book. We turn that into we turn that conversation into a chapter. You have that chapter in your inbox within two weeks of the call, and uh, that way you're able to say, "Hey, I like this. I hated that. Do more of this. Do less of that." And that way, by the time we're delivering the third chapter, the book really it feels like we're delivering a second or third draft. And it's just wash, rinse, repeat, going through the rest of the chapters of the book. And then when it's done, we, uh, we publish it for you. We work with a phenomenal, very entrepreneurial publisher, uh, 60 to 90 day clock, cover design, interior, uh, ISBN number, copyright, barcode, just all the stuff that makes a book a book. Get the blurbs on the back, author bio, physically published. It's up on Amazon. It's on barnesandnoble.com. It, uh, we can put business books um, up in uh, Times Square on the NASDAQ billboard so that people can, uh, you know, so that you can, you know, we get a photo of that for you. You can use that in your marketing on your website. There's your, you know, there's your cover 60 feet high in Times Square, whatever it is. So th that's the process. It's, it's sort of soup to nuts. It's not just here's your manuscript and, script and good luck to you. And, you know, we can get the whole thing done. Uh, typically in five months, but if people need it sooner, we can get it done radically sooner. It's just whatever people need. Unreal, Michael. A lot of moving parts there that your business, business ghost, can take care of. And you can help people become and create that authority and that credibility on their subject. And I think you're speaking to something that translates well across all areas of small business and entrepreneurship. You're talking about narrowing down your audience, speaking their language, and you don't want to try and please everyone all the time because that's a game you're probably going to lose with information that's too broad, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Rob. You know, the, you want to fly your freak flag and <laughs> you want to, you know, in Seth Godin's expression, you want to be the tribal leader to a group of people. You don't want to try to be all things to all people. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was, uh, I was uh, uh, closing a deal with a financial advisor. We do a lot of work with financial advisors, you know, with entrepreneurs, all kinds of folks. And in this case, 
we're going over the contract. I'm saying, well, this is the confidentiality clause. This means that we don't disclose our role. You know, we don't disclose any information you share with us. He's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, the, the, there's a $19 trillion debt. America has a $19 trillion debt, and, and uh, anybody who's not paying attention to that is just uh, arranging uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. I said, oh, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. I said, this, this clause is work made for hire. We don't have a piece of the back end, blah, blah, blah. He said, okay, uh, he's initialing. He says, yeah, that's fine, but, you know, this $19 trillion debt, and, and every, whatever I said, he came back to the $19 trillion debt. And so I went on his website to see what he says about how, this, how America's overhang of debt affects the investors he works with. There wasn't one word on his website about the debt. So I called him and said, what's the deal? Why isn't it there? He said, I don't want to offend people. Not everybody thinks the way I do. And I'm like, anybody who talks to you for five minutes is going to think you're a nutcase who's obsessed with the, the debt unless they are too. So the people, who, you know, the people who are not obsessed with the debt are not your prospects because they're going to think you're nuts. But the guys who think that – or the men and women who think that – okay, the men who think that uh, you know, America's got this huge debt overhang, they're going to look at you and say, finally, there's a guy who gets it. And then they're going to tell all their buddies at the club. I finally found a financial advisor who isn't rearranging deck chair. Look, you know, look at this guy's book. Look at the, now you go to his website. It's all about the nineteen trillion dollar debt and the book we and it's because the book we wrote for him is seventy percent about the about economics and what the debt means, and then only thirty percent about investing. So if you're reading that book, you sit there and you you say, "I found my tribal leader. I found my guy." This guy is my guy, and now you're devoted to him. And then you're out there, you know. You're like, send me a send me another box of books. I got 20 more friends I want to give this to, because they're so excited to pass you along to their part, you know, to their partners, to their friends. So, you know, if you have the guts to say, this is what I am, this is what I stand for, this is what I do, this is my niche market. Your niche makes you rich, and entrepreneurs are afraid, and they end up generalizing and satisfying nobody. I mean, if you have a heart problem, you're not going to go to your brother-in-law, the GP. You know, you're going to, you, you want the best cardiologist in the region. You want the specialist. So you have to be comfortable specializing and saying, we do this and we don't do that. And we're great at this. If you want that, we're not going to be able to help you. So. Yeah, and Michael, I would become sort of, in a way, the tribal leader of those 20 people. And those 20 people are going to become the tribal leaders of their 20 people and so on, right? That's it. And then you have this whole army and all you had to do to get them was to just, you know, there, there, there's a book called The Perfect Client. And their whole philosophy is that most entrepreneurs are like flashlights. They're just like flashing their light everywhere. You know, are, are you a prospect? Are you a prospect? Are you a prospect? <laughs> and everybody runs away because the light's in their face. He's, he, what she says is what you want to be is a lighthouse. You want to be a beacon. You want to stand there. And you don't move, and the light goes out from you, illuminating the world and showing people, this is what I stand for. This is what I stand for. This is what I stand for. That's the beacon. And then they'll be drawn to your light. And, 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 and entrepreneurs typically are flashlights, desperate to make you know payroll, desperate about cash flow. And I've been there many times, so I know. And, and they're flashlights looking for the next deposit they can, they can take instead of having the courage to say, no, I'm not a flashlight. I'm a lighthouse. I stand for something. This is what I stand for. And I'm going to be an attraction. And, and I'm going to attract 
and I'm going to write down who I think the perfect customer for my business is, and I'm going to attract that person, and I'm not going to attract, and I'm going to turn down everybody else. Takes guts. Absolutely. Great stuff, Michael. We've been talking about your clients. We've been talking about entrepreneurs in general. I want to narrow this down to you now. What is the best part about being a successful entrepreneur and a best-selling author? Why is it so great to be Michael Levin? <laughs> Don't make any assumptions, okay? <laughs> I mean, my whole attitude toward identity, identity theft is, you know, why not me? <laughs> Why can't somebody else like have to – you know what the greatest thing is? It's freedom. It's freedom. I have free time. I can do what I want when I want to do it. Next week, I like to sing. I'm taking five days – I'm taking four days off. I'm going out to uh, uh, Tanglewood and I'm going to sing with the Tanglewood Festival Chorus, uh, at, uh, which is the, you know, the top chorus in the United States for the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Why do I get to do that? Because I'm in control of my time. I'd like to do yoga. I will not interrupt. I will not take a prospect uh, uh, call if I've got a yoga class. So, you know, maybe I'll reschedule the class, but it means I'll go an hour later. I have control of my life, and that's what you get as an entrepreneur. I like to be home at night and just hang around so that my kids. I have four kids, eight to sixteen. They know that most nights, dad's hanging around the house. If you need him, he's there. You know, it's not like I come home at eight o'clock frazzled. I'm done by 4.30. By 4.30, you know, I mean, I start super early. So by 4.30, I'm kind of done. And my kids know I'm there. I'm not checking my email. I'm available. My wife knows I'm there. If she needs something, I can go do it. And, uh, you know, I mean, the other thing is, I, I mean, you know, one of my other hobbies is that I like art and culture. And I like to, um, I like to learn. So uh, today, in, in, in 40 minutes, I've got a call with the, with the person – who runs Jacob's Pillow, which is a dance place, uh, a dance, uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? So, uh, uh, it's a dance theater in the Berkshires in the summer and a dance festival. And I'm going to interview her. I write for Huffington Post. So I'll be able to interview her and then put the article in HuffPost. And then uh, this afternoon, I'm going to go to the Museum of Fine Arts and uh, get, get two private gallery tours one of a new Monet exit, one of uh, Italian paintings, and I write about those for, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, these are the things that I get to do because I have freedom. I'm not quite at the point where I have this sort of financial freedom where I can sort of shut the business down or sell it or move, but, you know, I'm working toward that. And in the meantime, um, and it, but in the meantime, I'm able to pay for my family's life. We've got, we've got three kids in private religious school, and uh, uh, we'll probably have a fourth you know, we've had four kids in, in, in private religious school most, you know, most of the time, and I can pay those bills. I can pay those bills and, uh, and, and not look back. Uh, last night I took my daughter to – somebody gave me uh, Red Sox tickets. I'm in Boston. I took my eight-year-old. We went and, uh, you know, I can buy her a hat after the game and I don't have to worry about the money. Now, these sound like small things, but the thing is that I've got the time and I've got the freedom and, and, you know, and I've got a few dollars to do what I want to do to take care of my family. I mean, we had a five. Uh, just now, I had to move because the plumber. I'm, I'm working from home this morning because I'm going to the museum later. So the plumber came here to you know put in a, a new toilet. It's 550 bucks. I'm not scrambling to pay that bill. That's what you get when you stay with your business long enough. You can you know you can take care of the things that need taken care of, and then you can do other stuff within reason. And uh, you know I'm not crazy. I don't. I'm not a Maserati. I'm not a car guy. I'm not a watch guy. I don't care about any of that stuff. I drive a Prius. You know, my clients let them have the Mercedes. I had a Mercedes. It broke down all the time. I had a BMW. It broke down all. The time. I don't need that stuff. I don't need that stuff. 
I like my freedom, and that's the main thing that I get from entrepreneurship. That was a long answer. I hope that's okay. Yeah. Man, I love it. That game and that hat probably meant so much to your eight-year-old too, man. So it's having that huge impact that obviously is going to help down the road. And look, we're all looking to create that freedom lifestyle. And Michael, to a large degree, it looks like you've done that. So congrats on that. Well, thank you. You know, I mean, uh, 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 you know, the secret is very simple. And it's what, it's what my mentor told me 22 years ago at the Dunkin' Donuts. He said the, he, he ran four of the top restaurants in Boston. He owned them. And, and uh, he said the secret of success is bust your butt. He didn't say it that way, but I'm saying that way, you know, so that because uh, I'm sure there's a family podcast. But, uh, bust <laughs> your, you know, bust your butt. There's no bigger. I mean, you know, uh, this is what I do every day. I get up. I've got a list of stuff to do and I do it. And there are no excuses. And the same thing is with my team. And I filled in, you know, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not an, a business owner, you know, by nature. I don't know. You know, I didn't know anything about anything. Uh, and this thing has evolved from that Dunkin' Donuts meeting. So, you know, I took, I took courses on customer service from the Disney Institute. Uh, I took sales training at Sandler. I've, I've listened to, you know, countless marketing uh, programs on marketing and CDs. Um, you know, when, when, whenever I have a gap, I fill it. I go to Strategic Coach, who's an entrepreneurship program in uh, Chicago and Toronto, Canadian program. I, I, uh, I mean, you know, I just, I'm just constantly learning and trying to grow as an entrepreneur. I hire great people. Superstars pay for themselves. And I just, you know, I've, I've got a business coach. I do what he tells me to do immediately. And I've, I'm, you know, I've got, he, he told me this is your new marketing person. I hired her. He said, you know, so it's like whatever I'm supposed to do, I do it. I don't think twice. And that's, and that, and that you know, you, you cannot have any, you know, I mentioned at the outset, the self-doubt. You put that in your pocket, you go about your business. You just can't allow that to infect your day. Okay, I wake up with it. I woke up this morning with it. I'll wake up tomorrow with it. Maybe if I sell my business for $20 million one day, uh, I'll wake up the next day and I won't have that anxiety. Maybe I still will. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is that I've got a list of stuff that has to happen today, and it will. And that's, it's that simple. It's all about moving those pieces into place. Absolutely. Now, Michael, you've worked with some seriously high-performing clientele with Business Ghost. How are you connecting with these people? And further, I guess, how are you growing that clientele? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. It's a variety of ways. The main thing is that, you know, it's what Tony Robbins said. He said, you know, I, I took a seminar of his at, uh, uh, on sales. It was $250. It was the best $250 I ever spent. It was at the Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles. He taught for 13 hours, and nobody moved. 7,000 people, nobody moved the whole 13 hours. Everybody went crazy. It's a pretty good rate on return for time, I think, with Tony, right? Well, that's true, too. I mean, it would cost more today. This was nine, this is around 1999. So he, he, says, um, he says, you people don't work for a living. Work is digging ditches and breaking rocks and breaking up roads. He said, what you do to make a living is you make friends. And... I mean, it's just genius. It's really true. What I do is I make friends for a living. That's my job, to make friends. The guy with the clothing thing, we had some, we had some similar things in our background. By the end of the call, it's, you know, it's, it's brother this and okay, my friend. You know, and because we're boys now. That's, and, and so what, in, in, to, to, to extend that to the business, um, I'm in the business of identifying people who I call aggregators. They, they aggregate large numbers of potential clients for us. So I, I reach out to them and befriend them and let them know who I am and what I offer and what can I do for you. 
Sometimes I write their books for nothing, just to show what I'm capable of. And as a result, uh, sometimes nothing happens. But other times, a lot of goodwill happens, and uh, they send clients. I'll meet literary agents, and they'll call and say, hey, I've got this person for you. Um, uh, I've got that. And, you know, that's how I met Dave Winfield. Uh, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, uh, Pat Summerall. I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to do a book with Pat Summerall. So, you know, I connected with her on that. And, 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 but it really comes down to, you know, I mean, when I was single, I would look around my living room on a, on a Saturday night and say, I don't see any women here. There are no women here. They must be, you know, they must not. So I'm going to go where they are. <laughs> and, you know, and, 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 and I look around my office, I don't see any clients. Well, I better go where they are. So it's just all about there and, and just making more friends, making more friends. Uh, we have an, we have an email list. Um, uh, that, that people are welcome to join. I send out a newsletter once or twice a week. Uh, whatever's you know, whatever I'm thinking about. We've got seven. We've got almost seven thousand people on that list. That's a lot of friends. Half of those, Absolutely. half of those folks, I, I don't know, but I know the other half. I know more people than just about anyone I've ever met. So you know that that that's what happens when you do the same thing for twenty two years. So. And you're creating that circle of influence, Michael. Are there any specific influencers that you follow online or otherwise for your own motivation and inspiration? I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. Uh, I love Tony. I, I, I buy all his stuff. I play it over and over again. I can recite tons of it. I'm a huge Zig Ziglar guy. And I actually got to edit Zig's last book. And then I got to have lunch with Zig Ziglar, which to me was, you know, one of the highlights. Of my Surreal. Yeah, just yeah. phenomenal. I, I love Zig. And he passed away a year or two, a couple of years ago. Um, I'm big, big on Jay Abraham, the marketing guru. Jay is sort of the godfather of my business. Uh, I'm huge on Michael Gerber. And as I mentioned, and Michael's a very dear friend. Uh, uh, we were emailing this morning about stuff. And, you know, but, you know, this is going to sound crazy. But um, in, in addition to Earl Nightingale, uh, Catherine Ponder on the spirituality of money, you know, the, the main thing is when it comes to inspiration is that you inspire yourself and it's your own, it's, it's what you do that inspires you the most uh, because all the other stuff is great. It's great information. It's great inspiration. But at the end of the day, it's re- it really comes down to, um, I mean, I run marathons. I'm 58. I'm not a kid and I'm not fast, but I've run seven out of the last, I think, 12 Boston marathons, including the one that was interrupted by the bomb. And at the, and I run the New York Marathon as a guide runner for disabled runners. When I look at that medal around my neck, and I have them in frames in my, in my bathroom, and I look at those things, I inspire me. I say, holy cow, if you could do that, you can get through today. You can get through a, you, you know, you can get through a, to, a to-do list. So you know, as important as it is to soak up inspiration from other sources, at the end of the day, you inspire yourself as a business owner, as a friend, as a parent, as a spouse, as a partner. Uh, as, a, as a member of the community, as a member of your religious community, you've got to inspire yourself because uh, that's, you, you know, if, if, if you don't take a moment, and I don't mean, you know, spraying your arm, patting yourself on the back, but, but uh, be proud of yourself. Be proud of what you've accomplished. It's not easy. This is not a path most people will ever go down. Most people want jobs and the illusion of security and a paycheck. They don't have the guts to do what we do. So, you, should, you know, your, your listeners should be very proud of themselves. Absolutely. And I love that you say it's the illusion of security. I think that's a whole different episode, Michael. Now, if you could give these to us in just a couple sentences, do you love to win or hate to lose and why? (laughs) 
I accept losing. I mean, the thing is, that it's how you know it's really how you define winning and losing. And and uh, this is something from Tony. Uh, it's from Tony Robbins. You win when uh, I, I, I redefined winning as going for it, and uh, I, re- I redefined losing as not going for it. So every time I go for it, I win. And the thing is that if you can focus on the uh, on your effort instead of the outcome, uh, then then no one can defeat you. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to get every deal I go after, but I'm going to go after every deal I can because I control my effort. I don't control my outcome. And as long as I control my effort and give my best, um, things seem to work out. I don't want to be Pollyannish about it. It's not like uh, there aren't challenges and really tough things that you go through as a business owner. But I'd rather go through that than worry about the business owner I'm working for that he might fire me at any moment. So, you know. I know you're on a tight schedule today, Michael. I have one final question. If people want to learn more about you and your business or if they have a book inside of them that you will help them release, how can they connect? I appreciate you asking that, Rob. The company, the website is businessghost, G-H-O-S-T dot com, like Casper the Friendly Ghost. They can email me at michael at businessghost dot com. And uh, uh, they can call. Uh, it's 310-497-8547. And I'll say it again. It's 310-497-8547. And we'll take care of them. There's a direct line to the illustrious Michael Levin. Michael, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. You too. You too. Thank you so much. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 